You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Today our topic is a Jesus kind of love. Anybody want to live with a Jesus kind of love? We're going to talk about that today. In John chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. Now, before we get into that, first of all, Jesus had specific times for everything, and and here we read that it was at the Passover festival. And I love the feasts of God. Now, some of you uh, may or may not know, yesterday was the holiest day of the year, right? Yom Kippur, which is the day that uh, we, we know in biblical history, where the one day in a year that the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. But aren't you glad that on the day that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary, the curtain was torn so that we could experience the presence of God? Amen. But still, we love to celebrate and say, you know what, uh, we, need to get, uh, we need to be holy before the Lord. That's what yesterday was all about with Yom Kippur and just experiencing the beauty of the presence of God. And today, we've experienced that as well. But I want to focus on the last portion of John 13, 1, when it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. Father, thank you. That we have the privilege of being in your presence. And thank you, Lord, that uh, yesterday we got to celebrate the holiest day of the year. But today, Lord, we, we want to honor and bless you because you are holy, O oh God. We thank you that we come together. We just, as we get to the, the preaching of your word, the teaching of your word, may your word come alive in us and through us. That everything we would do and say, Lord God, would be re- reflect a Jesus kind of love. Help us receive this word, not just with our mind, but with our heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. There's no doubt about it that if you know what's going on in our world today, more specifically the United States of America, we can probably say, you may have the opinion, as I do, that our our country is in disarray. There's things that are happening. There's uh, uh, issues that we are having to deal with that we should really not have to be dealing with, but nevertheless we are. And it infiltrates the the sports world and football players. And, you know, today I want to talk about a Jesus kind of love because, after all, wouldn't the best response to what's going on in our world be what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? What does God's word say about all of this? Well, in the last phrase in this passage that we have on the screen here, it says he loved them, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That word love in the scripture here is from the Greek word, because this was written in Greek, agape. Somebody say agape. And this is a Greek word that means God's supreme love of ultimate sacrifice. Is there anybody here that's grateful that God gave his life through Jesus Christ for you? Amen. Agape love. He loved you so much that he gave us a, that is the ultimate kind of love. Wouldn't you want to have that kind of love? I call this a Jesus kind of love. Now, we live in a world where maybe sometimes it's hard to love other people, but aren't you glad that we're different? Life would be kind of boring if everybody was like you. I got to tell you that. I hate to say that. Life would be boring if everybody in this world was exactly like you. But we're different. We're different. 
Some people say, I like Ford trucks. Others will say, I like Chevy trucks. But can we get along? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some will say, uh, you know, hook them horns. Some will say, you know, uh, gig them Aggies, huh? <laughs> and all that's in between. Or somebody say, go birds, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or we have a Baylor bed. Or, but can we get along even if we have different colleges, right? I mean, no, we can get along, right? Some people say, well, I like chocolate chip ice cream. And somebody else may say, well, I like Rocky Road ice cream. Pastor Andy says, I like them both, so I'll agree with both of you, okay? I agree with both of you. But sometimes we have opinions and sometimes they differ. And and, and certain times, I know we're being a little bit funny there, but there are certain times that that there are some major issues that we disagree with in in our country. How do we handle that? How do we handle someone who has a difference of opinion about certain things? Uh, and, you know, of course, some things are in the Bible. Other things are, are not. But I'm going to say this because I bring this up because there is differences of opinion. There is dissension in America. Some people say this and some people say that. Some people have this opinion and other people have this other opinion. How do we respond? I'm going to say this. I believe the enemy is at work in the United States of America. I don't like it, but that's a fact. The enemy is instilling certain dissension and putting thoughts in people's minds. And the enemy loves it when the people of America fight against each other. And some like this and others like that. And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it breaks my heart. But honestly, the, the, the enemy is at work. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. The enemy would love to destroy our nation. The enemy would love to destroy a marriage, a family. The enemy would love to destroy a church or an individual's personal spiritual life. That's what he does. An enemy, that's what he loves to do. But when when it comes to dissension, I can't help but look at Acts chapter 10 because here we read a story of Peter when Peter had uh, was far from perfect. I mean, God can use imperfect people. One of Peter's shortcomings was that he was uh, prejudiced. That's right. And some of the issues going on in our nation today deals with exactly that. And uh, God had to teach Peter a lesson. And, and what was happening here is that some people would say, well, uh, you know, I believe it's okay to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. Other people said, no, it's not all right. And then there was prejudice. Well, you do this and I do that. And some people were, you know, you know it's just okay. Well, you're on that side of the issue. I'm on this side of the issue. Well, uh, what what did Peter say? Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. In other words, Peter, it, it hit him. God doesn't show favoritism, so I better not show favoritism as well. I gotta be careful about that. So I want to take a few minutes to talk about a Jesus kind of love. How can we be more like Jesus when it comes to the issues that we're dealing with even today? Observation number one is this. A Jesus kind of love is a conscious choice. You must make a choice. I must make a choice whether or not we're going to live by a Jesus kind of love. It's your choice and my choice. Uh, Because... How many of you know there's a lot of people in our world that are just simply hard to love? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, somebody thought, came to your mind. Some of you came, uh, that's a hard to love person. But how many know we can in the name of Jesus, right? Now, what is most important? Mark chapter 12, 
we read a story about a, a teacher of the law, a scribe, who went to Jesus and said, Jesus, let me read it to you, Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them the answer. He asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So the word of God, it really teaches that there are probably 613 commandments, and that's a lot. So out of everything, it's hard to know, what do I do this? Do I do that? What do I do? And some people were looking at, okay, how do I fulfill these commandments? How do I be a godly person? Jesus, what is most important? You know what Jesus said? Let's read what it says. His response in verse 29. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than this. So here Jesus pretty much quotes from the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, something that's been in place for years and years. This is what God instituted. The most important uh, commandment is this, love the Lord. Then Jesus says, okay, here's a second one, love your neighbor. So pretty much Jesus is saying, what is most important? You ask me what's most important, I'll tell you what's most important. I'm going to give you two answers. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. That's what we here at Fortress Church are all about, loving God and loving people. If, it, if these two things were the two most important things for Jesus to convey to the people, shouldn't it be the two most important things for you and I today? If somebody were to ask me, Pastor Randy, what is most important in your life? I'm going to tell you that right now. Two things, loving God and loving people. That's what I was created to do, love God and love people. But with so many issues in our world today, it's hard to love people. And I would venture to say many of the issues we're dealing with today is because there's so many people in our nation that don't love God and don't love people. They will pursue their opinions about this person or that person. They have their opinions about the president. They have their opinions about the governor. They have their opinions about the mayor. Well, what does the word of God say? Once again, my point is this. A Jesus kind of love is a conscious choice. You have a choice. I have a choice how to respond. Okay, do I do it God's way or I do it the world's way? The word or the world? You have a choice, I have a, cho- I have a choice as well. Many people in the world, they choose to bash certain people like our president and others. That's the way they want to, ha- well, I'm going to bash the president, it's always negative. Is that what the God's word said? No. Turn with me to Second Timothy, First Timothy, rather, chapter 2, because it tells us how we are to respond. It says, I urge you, 1 Timothy 2.1, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. It says, pray for those in authority. Does it say bash them? No. Does it say pray for those in authority who you agree with? It doesn't say that. Pray for those in authority if you, uh, if you are in agreement with this last decision that he or she made. It doesn't say that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Pray for them. You show me someone who's bashing someone, a, a senator, a politician, a president, a mayor, I'll show you someone who's not following the word of God. It's as simple as that. Because God says pray for them. And you have a choice to make. I'll have to say that over my lifetime, I've never had, I've never uh, agreed with 100% of, of every decision that a president has made during my lifetime. No, but I don't bash them. I pray for him because for some reason, God has him 
in office. And God doesn't make mistakes. No, God doesn't make mistakes. We may be angry. We may not like what God has allowed. But we're called to pray for him. We're called to pray for those in authority. It's as simple as that. The choice is yours. But I want to give him a piece of my mind. Here's a to-another-level lesson. Our days are happier when we give people a piece of our heart rather than a piece of our mind. Just a thought. Observation number two, leaving God's love out of the picture leaves God out of the picture. Now, I've taught to you this before, John chapter 21, but I just kind of want to do very quickly a highlight of this because this is the conversation that Jesus has with Simon Peter after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and he says this, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Well, I've, I've taught this before just as a quick reference. The reason I underlined do you love me there is because Jesus is using a certain Greek word, agape, which is a highest ultimate type of giving kind of love. But Peter responds in the phileo love. Jesus responds in a lesser love. So I bring this out because Jesus is always challenging us to raise our love to another level. Take your love for God. Take your love for people to another level. Peter, are you willing to do this? Peter was not there yet. But the fact remains that God, through Jesus Christ, is challenging all of us. Are you ready to take your love for God and your love for people to another level? Take it up to the agape, highest level there is. That's what Jesus was trying to teach Peter. So what is this all about? Well, actually, our word in English, love, is pretty general. I can say I love chocolate chip ice cream, and I can say I love my wife. But that's a different kind of love, amen? My wife said, it better be, okay? Well, in Greek, you have four different kinds of love. Let me give it to you. There is agape, which is God's love, ultimate kind of love. Then you have phileo, which is a brotherly kind of love. That's why we use the term Philadelphia, a brotherly, the city of brotherly love. Then you have storge, which is a Greek word that means a protective or parental love. And then you have eros, which is the, the Greek word that is referred to as romantic or, or, or sensual type of love, uh, romantic love. And, and, but in English, we translate all four of these, agape, phileo, storge, and eros, into love. But I, I need to explain what the Bible is teaching, why Jesus is saying, this is our goal. Agape love is our goal. This is how you are to live, Peter. And Jesus is telling us the same thing. This is how you are to live. You need to live with a Jesus kind of love, an agape kind of love. So if you would join me in picturing this agape love, and underneath there, there's three other loves. When we apply the other kinds of love and place it under the umbrella of God's perfect love, then that's what it was intended to be. But sometimes we get things messed up. Let's take, for example, if we were to take phileo love, which is a brotherly love, and take it out from under the umbrella of God's perfect agape love, what happens? When anybody takes brotherly love out from under God's definition of love, 
then they begin to redefine what phileo love is. They begin to redefine love because they're not using God's word to define love. No longer, see, God says, love your brother, love your sisters, love one another. That's under the umbrella of God's agape. But when you pull phileo love out of the picture, out of the umbrella, we begin to, whoever does that, defines love in their own way. But it's not God's way. And you know what happens when, you, when anybody begins to define love their own way that's not based by God's word? Well, that's where racism comes in. Because I'm not going to love this guy because he's a different skin color. He's a different culture. He, speaks, he or she speaks a different language. I don't have to love him. What did that person do? They are defining love outside of the context of what God's word defines love as. That's why we have racism. Because people have taken phileo love, brotherly love, out from under the umbrella of God's love. <clears throat> racism is a major problem in, our, uh, in America today. It's wrong. And I'm going to say it's sin because it's out of God's will. Anytime we take any type of love out of God's umbrella protection, we're going to face a whole lot of problems. What does Revelation say? Can, can I give you a picture of heaven? Revelation 7, 9 says this, After I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Wow, isn't that cool? People from every tribe and tongue and nation and skin color and language are coming together in heaven under God. That's beautiful. That's heaven. Can't we bring a little bit of heaven on earth, but instead so many people today want to be racist? And they say, no, I, I don't accept you because of your skin color. I don't accept you because of the language you speak. Or be, I don't accept you... That's not God's way of loving, my friend. It's wrong. It's sinful. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. The Word of God speaks against sin, and so do I. And when we talk about racism, for example, I believe it is sin. Do we have a skin problem? I'm going to say we have a sin problem in America. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of, of racism. I'm Hispanic, and I, I know what it is to be spoken against because of my Hispanic culture. I know what it's like, and I'll go a step further. I know what it's like to be bullied. When I was younger, I was bullied quite a bit to the fact that one time my dad had to come to my junior high and have to take care of a little issue. I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of racism, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of being bullied. And I'm going to tell you right now that is not of God. And I'm going to stop right now to say that if any of you have ever been on the receiving end of racism, or if you have been on the receiving end of being bullied, that is not of God. And I'm just going to say this. I know I was not the one who did that to you, but I'm going to say this. Would you forgive me? I want to stand in the place of whoever said that against you because whatever that person said against you was wrong. It was sinful. You are a child of God. 
God loves you. God embraces you. And if somebody has other thoughts or ideas, it is wrong. Would you accept this forgiveness? And I'm going to stand in place of that person. Would you forgive me? Because God wants to embrace you right now. God wants to embrace you. You are welcomed in this church. You are welcomed in this nation. And you are welcomed in heaven because you are a child of the living God. You are a child of the living God. One of the biggest issues in America this past week has been professional football players. Are they going to kneel at the playing of the national anthem? And I've seen many reports, I've read many articles, and I've read both sides of the issue. Some believe this and some believe that. Some have said in the articles, I kneel because, um, uh, because, I, want to, uh, because I want unity in our country. That's what someone said. I kneel because I want equality in our country. Others have said, I kneel because I want to disrespect the United States flag. Others have said, I kneel because others are doing it. A few of them have even said, I kneel because this is my prayer to the God Allah. That's what some have said. And if they want to do that, well, that's their right. That's their First Amendment right to, to freedom of speech. But it's a shame that there's, there's two issues here, and for some reason they've been intermingled. The issue is racism, which God is against it. Racism is wrong. We've got to take care of this issue. But then you have the, the respect of the United States flag. Those are two separate issues, but unfortunately they haven't messed together. I, I, you know, uh, uh, yes, we need unity in this nation. Yes, I'm against uh, racism. But I also am for the flag of the United States of America because I'm a citizen of this country and I love this nation. One nation under God. And I will always stand in attention to the flag of the United States of America. Yes, I would love for people of America to come together to overcome the issue of racism here in our country. But I I would like to present the fact that if if racial unity and equality are going to happen, we should do it in a loving way, not in an anger way. Not in a way to bully others or in an angry situation. Can we be careful about offending other people? And and this is, I'm telling you about a Jesus kind of love, okay? In Romans chapter 14, if you want to turn there with me, there, this is the account of, uh, of, once again, the Apostle Paul addressing the fact that, well, some want to eat, uh, eat food that were sacrificed to idols. Some don't want to eat food. Of course, Peter dealt with that. And also, well, is the gospel for the Jews? Is, it, is the gospel also for the Greeks? Well, wait a minute. No, some people thought in biblical days the gospel was only for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. Hey, if that's the case, that's racism right there. No, believe me, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of racism issues that were dealt with in the Bible. And how did people overcome them? By loving God and loving people. But we see here in... Um, in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, I'm going to read from the message verse of the Bible. So let's agree to use our energy in getting along with each other. 
Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You're certainly not going to permit an argument over what is served or not served at the supper to wreck God's work among you, are you? It is said before, and I'll say it again, all food is good, but it can turn bad if you use it badly. If you use it to trip up others and send them sprawling, when you sit down at a meal, your primary concern should not be to feed your own face, but to share the life of Jesus. So be sensitive and courteous to the others who are eating. This last phrase is is very important. Don't eat or say or do things that might interfere with the free exchange of God's of, of love. In other words, you have a right to do whatever you want, but just be careful because if you're going to be angry about it, that's not a Jesus kind of love. If you do things just to offend people, that's not a Jesus kind of love. And I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, you, we, we got to make a choice. Am I going to uh, do a Jesus kind of love, live like that? Okay, let's go back to the umbrella situation, okay? Agape is umbrella, top of the umbrella, and there's other Greek words. So I kind of explained what happens when we pull phileo out of the picture because we, re, we have redefined what brotherly love is all about. That's where racism and a lot of problems are. Okay, let's just say if we take storge out of the picture, what happens there? That is a parental and a protective kind of love. Well, I, I'm going to address the men. We have a man-up conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Why do we do that? Because there's a problem in America of fatherlessness. Men who have fathered children but don't want to be a a true dad. Some are absentee dads and some just don't even see their dads. And that's unfortunate. But we've got a problem in America of fatherlessness. This is an example of when you take the love of storage that should happen between a parent and a child, you take that out from under the umbrella of God's love, and you have a lot of issues like fatherlessness. Let's go back to putting storge, parental love, back under the umbrella of God's love. And then let's take a look at eros. Because eros is a Greek word that means romantic love. But some people choose to take eros and pull that out from under the umbrella of God's agape love. Shouldn't do that. But what happens? Then that person who has taken eros out from under God's word and God's love, they are redefining what eros love is. What is eros love? Under God's God's umbrella, eros love is a romantic love between a man and a woman. That's the way God intended marriage. You look all through the Bible. Homosexuality is a sin. That's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? But with some people have taken arrows out of, from under the umbrella of God's agape love, and they've redefined romantic love. They've redefined romantic love. That's what's happening in much of America. Well, this is the way I feel. That's right. You're taking God out of the picture. This is the way. This is the way. Can you let me? I'm, this is a free country. That's right. But you're taking God out of the picture. Is that what you want? Do you really want to take God out of the picture of your life or out of your relationships? And it goes beyond the problem of homosexuality. Some people, they take arrows out from under God's umbrella, and, and, and they've redefined even, even sexual love. Well, let's have sex outside of the bounds of marriage. That's not what the Bible says. Sex is beautiful as long as it's in the confines of marriage. That's what the Bible says, okay? And anybody who takes 
who says, oh, it's all right. Everybody else is doing it. Yeah, that's what the world says, but that's not what the word says. And you've got a choice. You're going to follow the world. You're going to follow the word. But, I mean, it's just casual sex. Yes, but you've placed yourself outside from under God's umbrella protection. That's your choice. I'm not going to condemn you for it. I'm going to love you. But there's some consequences for your choices, my friend. Not from me, but from God. That's a choice you're going to have to make. And if you make that choice by pulling any of these phileo or storge or arrows out from under the the umbrella of God's love, you're going to face some consequences as well. That's just what God's word says. Now, does it mean, Pastor, we're not welcome? You're welcomed here. We're going to love you because it's not my job to judge you. As we read from Billy Graham, he says, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's God's job to judge, and it's my job to love. We're going to love you here because I'm not your judge. But the choices you make, you will have to stand before the judge, and that's God. That's, that's what you're going to have to do. That's what the Bible says, okay? Sometimes non-believers accuse Christians of being hateful. Oh, you Christians are all hateful. You're hate, hateful against uh, the homosexuals, hateful against all this sexual revolution. No, we're, we're not hateful. We, we, we love the people, but we hate the sin. How many know there's a difference? We love the people. For example, those of you who are parents, when your son or daughter does something wrong, don't you hate what they do is wrong? You hate what they do because it's wrong, but you love them. Am I right? You love them. That's your son. That's your daughter. That's the way God is. God loves you. We love you. But we hate the sin, okay? We hate the sin. Just, just make sure we don't hate people. Unfortunately, the outside world, they don't get it. They think we hate them. No, we don't hate them. We hate the sin because of what it's doing, how it's damaging our nation and our morals in this, in this country. So, once again, the point and I'm making is leaving God's love out of the picture leaves God out of the picture. Okay, one more point. We'll finish up. Hopefully you still love me. You have to love me if you're a Christian, okay? <laughs> All right. A Jesus kind of love, number three, is greater than our personal rights. A Jesus kind of love is greater than our personal rights. And the reason I say this is because we hear a lot of people today saying they're, they're pushing their personal rights. They're pushing their agenda. Some will say, I have a right to protest. Yes, you do. I'm not going to argue with that. I have a right to a freedom of speech. Yes, you do. It's a First Amendment right. Yes, you do. I can disrespect the flag if I want. Yes, you can. I'm not going to argue with you. This is a free country. Aren't you glad we live in a free country? We live in a free country. Praise God for the United States of America. Amen. But... Is it really the best idea to pursue our personal rights and push our own personal agenda? Here's a to-another-level lesson. When we focus on our rights, it leads to protests and revolution. But when we focus on love, it leads to reconciliation and unity. Does anybody see the difference there? 
You focus on your right. This is what I want. This is my agenda. It's gonna, you're going to be in a protest line. That's what personal rights does. But if you live based on love, it's about reconciliation. It's about unity. And, and sometimes we get that mixed up. Now, here's another, my last two another level lesson is this, and it's right there in your notes. You are doubly blessed to be a Christian and an American. But remember that, fir- that you are first a Christian and then an American. Loving people is far more important than claiming your personal rights. I'm going to say that again. Loving people is far more important than claiming your personal rights. What about this I have a right attitude? Well, yeah, we all have a right. We all have a right. Now, I'm not going to bash you if you use your right to protest. That's, you know, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I choose to love you, okay? I choose to love the people. I'm not going to protest. I'm not going to protest. I want to I live like Jesus because do I have a personal right to say what I want? Yeah, I, I, I do. But today, I want to encourage you to have a Jesus kind of love. Can we think about Jesus as I close? Because how about Jesus and personal rights? I think about this. I think about what's told in Scripture and how we read and know that Jesus, even though he was innocent, he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head, right? He had whippings on his back 39 times. His flesh was cut open. He had nails in his hands and feet. He had a spear thrust through his side while he was on the cross of Calvary. And I think about Jesus and his personal rights because i got to tell you something. Jesus, how many know he is the son of God? He had a right to call 10,000 angels in heaven and say, angels, could you strike these people dead? He had a right to do that, but he didn't do that. Angels, could you come and swoop me up? I don't want to endure all this pain and suffering. I want to be at the right hand of my father. Jesus had a right to do this. But you know what? Jesus laid down his personal rights because he loves you. Because he loves you, my friend. He laid down his rights because he loves you. Can't we be a little bit like Jesus? Can't we love people? Even if we disagree, we can love them. Is it our place to argue and debate? Well, you can do so if you want. This is a free country. But I choose to love people. I choose to love God and love people. This is a Jesus kind of love. Would you stand with me right now? Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us through your word. Thank you, Lord. I think of I think of John chapter 4 when the Samaritan people were outcasts. Yeah, there was racism even in biblical days. 
But you, Lord Jesus, you went to the well. You ministered to the Samaritan woman when no one else would. You broke the chains of racism because you loved the outcast, the Samaritan people. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Today, Lord, we would have break down the walls of racism and just love people just like you did. We want to live with a Jesus kind of love. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I ask you the most important question you could ever answer in your life, and that is, is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Because that decision, if you say, yes, he is, then that means you will have eternal life with Christ Jesus. If for some reason you choose not to, unfortunately you don't have that ability to say, I have eternal life in heaven. But today, you can make that decision to follow Jesus. It's the best decision you could ever make. If that's you and you're unsure about your your faith and you want to say, you know what, today I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. Perhaps you want to lift up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I want to I want to serve Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. Just raise your hand and put it down. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to lift you up and encourage you for this great decision. Amen. Amen. You may put your hands down. Others of you, you're going through a very difficult time today, and you need someone to pray with you. We're going to open up these altars in a few minutes. There are prayer partners on my right and my left, and we would love the privilege of praying with you, praying over you, praying in agreement with you, because we know there's power in prayer. Maybe some of you have been hurt by what some people have said. Maybe you've been a victim of racism or bullying or whatever the case may be and the sin of other people. Today, maybe you just need the embrace of God and he will embrace you. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you're saying, I I just need the love of Jesus. We're going to open up these altars and I invite you to step out If you need a prayer partner, there are prayer partners once again here on my right and left. Or perhaps you just want to kneel here at these altars. For the next few minutes, we're going to seek God. We're going to call on God and believe that God would meet us right here. I invite you to come and experience the love of Jesus. There is nothing else.